welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. Whether or not you're coming through Spotify, iTunes, doesn't matter. I'm just glad you're here. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash that subscribe button. It's that big red button to the bottom right, I believe, of the screen. I'm not looking at YouTube right now, so I don't know. Click the bell for continued notifications. Do not forget to go check out joshsummer.substack.com. Thank you guys for joining Glad that you were able to make it. I'm recording this video and podcast kind of as a Sabbath preparation for myself, um, just to kind of get my head centered around the things of God. We had a great day-to-day as a family. We were out and about uh, outside the house pretty much all day, um, downtown Kansas City, and uh, went to Union Station, and the the kids love the, the train displays and the playground and everything that they have there, so... We, we had a good time, and uh, we went out to eat, of course, and uh, just, yeah, it ended up being a kind of a full day out of the house, and um, came back, had some good dinner that my wife fixed, and now it's time to get ready and, and, and uh, kind of center my mind around what, needs to be, what it needs to be centered around for tomorrow, which is God and God's will. You know, there are two things we need to know about God. That's God himself, and that's God's will. Uh, those are the two things that God has revealed uh, concerning himself uh, in his revelation is God and his will. It can all be boiled down really to to those two areas. Um, what I want to do today is I just kind of want to look at uh, what amounts to a test case, really. Um, it, it, backstory is uh, Dr. Owen Strayan published a podcast I believe it was yesterday, titled The Biblical Godhead on the Scourge of Arianism and the Otherworldly Beauty of Authority and Submission. This is on his podcast titled The Antithesis. That's the name of the podcast. And he has much to say. It's an hour and six minutes long, so I'm not going to canvas or flow the entire podcast here. Um, I just want to look at one of the examples that he turns to, uh, a biblical example uh, that he turns to in order to begin bolstering his case for ERAS, Eternal Relational Authority Submission, uh, or Essential Relational Authority Submission. I can't, I can't remember. I think it's Eternal Relational Sub- Authority Submission. ERAS, the synonyms would be ESS, Eternal S- uh, Subordination of the Son, um, EFS, eternal functional subordination or eternal functional submission. Those, those, all those terms are synonymous, right? And, um, and of course there may be nuances and things, you know, within those, within that camp, uh, as far as which of those monikers to use, which is more preferable and exactly how it works out on paper. Um, you're going to find, you know, perhaps some, uh, you know, a, 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 a jot or an iota, here and there, as far as uh, as far as nuance, but for the most part, that view ERES in principle holds that uh, within the Godhead, um, especially between Father and Son, there is you know the Father and Son are not only distinguished according to the relations of origin, that is that the Father begets the Son. In fact, there are some ERES proponents who would do away with the relations of origin altogether. And instead, they would say, well, the persons are distinguished not through the relations of origin or the processions, which has been the classical language, 
they're distinguished by means of their relationships that they have one one to another, namely, with regard to the Father and the Son, the relationship of authority and submission that is found between Father and Son, the Father having a preeminent authority to which the Son eternally is subjected or submits to voluntarily. Uh, of course, with that position is the implication that Father, Son, Holy Spirit have three distinct wills. If you have a preeminent authority that wills, the Son submits, and the Son wills to submit. It's a voluntary act, eternal voluntary act. Then, well, of course, you have a break in the will of the Godhead, and you have distinct wills. And um, just to give a kind of a personal testimony uh, in terms of my own experience with, with Dr. Strayan, I had Dr. Strayan as a professor in class um, for a, the, a master's level Theology 1 course. Okay. In that class, uh, he taught ERAS, and I distinctly remember one, uh, one day where uh, it, the classes were like three-hour blocks apiece, so it was like three hours worth of lecture every time we were in there, and I think it was twice out of the week or something like that. And this was at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, Strayan is no longer at MBTS. He is he is at um, he is at uh, Grace Bible Theological Seminary in um, Conway, Arkansas, with Jeff Johnson. So um, the day that I recall him teaching on on the doctrine of the Trinity in particular, um, he affirmed three wills in the Godhead. He was teaching ERAS. It was either myself or someone else who asked whether or not he would go on to affirm what seemed to be the implication that there are three wills in the Godhead. And he, quite unashamedly and, and plainly, without any you know need to think about it, affirmed three wills in the Godhead. So that's my personal experience with, with Dr. Owen Strand. I know a lot of people are asking, you know, does he actually say this stuff? Does he actually believe this stuff? Where has he said it? Well, this is easy for me to 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 navigate because I know what he believes. I, I've heard him teach it. He's never recanted it. He's never taken it back. And indeed, in this podcast that I'm talking about here, he he reaffirms it, and he again sees a distinction between different wills in the Godhead, uh, according to this 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 podcast here. Um, but in order to to bolster his view of eternal submission of the Son or ERAS. Uh, or ESS or EFS, uh, the first text that he turns to, he has a laundry list of texts. Um, he, he, he just kind of has this volley of texts. And, and the first one that he turns to is the all-famous John 3.16. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, he, he brings into the conversation as well. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So you, you basically have two, uh, two uh, verbs here. God doing two things. Uh, the first one is explicit. The, the one in verse 17 is rather implied. Uh, but in, in verse 16, it says that God gave... Right, God the Father, we take that to be the referent of the term theos there in the earlier part of verse 16. 
uh, for God the Father, we might as well say, so loved the world that he, God the Father again, gave his only begotten son. Okay, so that's your first action. Okay, that's your first act of God, right? In verse 16 and then in verse 17, uh, the same one is 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 implied, but it's it's under the the language of sending, right? See, if God sending, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. As a result of His sending, right? Um, now, what the point Doctor Strange is trying to make, looking at texts like the text, text this text and texts like this text, um, is that you know. Here is a clear uh, biblical um, case or biblical example of E-R-A-S, of eternal submission of the Son. Um, one, of the, one of the issues with, with that, because basically it's what, what he's saying, is, is that what is happening here, this sending, this giving, represents what God is in eternity past. This this doesn't merely uh, represent something God has done. This doesn't merely represent an unfolding of the will of God. But this actually tells us what God is in himself. That is, the Father uh, eternally sending, giving his Son. Uh, or, or rather, this represents the fact or indicates the fact that there is an eternal submission of the Son to the Father. Now, the question we have to ask is, is giving or is sending, in the case of verse 17, are those God? Are those terms God himself? Are those terms looking at God himself? Are they referring to the divine being in itself at intra? Or are those terms describing a work of God? That's a very important distinction to make, and it's and it's actually a presupposition that we need to have while we investigate and explore and interpret the holy text of Scripture. We always have to have this distinction in mind between creator and creature. God, God's uh, the unfolding of God's will, right? The the outworking of God's will uh, in and through creation by way of providence. We have to have a distinction between God and God's works, all right? So it, if the danger is, uh, if you don't make that distinction clear at the, at the start of your exegetical um, quest, then you're liable uh, to make the mistake of reading God's works into or, or backloading God's works into the divine essence. And what actually ends up happening is you begin to blur the line between God and his works and you begin to identify God and his works such that God's works just are God. A, a revelation of God's works is actually representative of what God is in and of himself. It doesn't just reveal God to us. It actually tells us what God is in himself. And, and what, that, what that does, it doesn't just reveal through his works what God is characteristically, that he's kind, that he's loving, that he's gracious, that he's all-powerful, and all of these things. It's actually telling us uh, the, what is happening within the Godhead, all right? That's the, that's the trouble of forgetting about that distinction between God and God's works. Uh, that's the trouble with blurring that 
uh, line that always needs to run through like a golden strand through our biblical interpretation. All right, so when you're looking at a text like John 3.16, and you could go to John John 17 is probably one of the greatest showcases of, uh, of the Son, according to his human nature, praying to the Father. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so you could go to John 17 and you could, you could, the same dynamics, uh, that's seen here in, in John 3, 16 are seen there, right? So this, what I'm saying here doesn't only apply to the, uh, to the, to the interpretation of this text. What I'm saying here actually applies to the interpretation of, uh, of all the texts that are like it, similar to it, uh, discussing the same things. Um, so when you look at John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Right? What the, the, the proponent of ESS wants to do, or ERAS, or, EF, or ESS, or whatever, the, what the proponent wants to do is say that, that that act, that act of giving, is actually eternally subsistent within the Godhead. Right? And 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 the way that it shows itself is in the is in is in the hierarchy of 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 authority. Uh, the father is chiefly authoritative, and then the son subjects himself to that authority. Um, and this is the eternal the eternal father giving the son, right? Uh, we might say, or this is the eternal uh, father sending his son. Now we're not talking about generate eternal generation here which is a, an eternal act, a relation of origin, right? This is what actually, uh, this is the language, eternal generation is the language that actually accounts for why uh, the father is considered or called the father, why the father is a father, why the son is a son, why the spirit is a spirit. Okay, so um, we're not talking about that because what what's introduced in addition to that or sometimes to the neglect of, of the eternal processions is this idea that there are actually different levels of authority, different qualities of authority within the Godhead, um, and that there are distinct wills that um, that serve to enable uh, one person to subject and the other person to be subjected uh, volun- volun- voluntaristically. Um, so we need to we need to we need to be very careful that we don't take God's works and collapse them into the divine essence. Uh, because I think that's what's actually happening with a lot of our conversations on the doctrine of God, the the, the unity of, of the Godhead, as well as as the as the Trinity, looking at the, the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, the divine essence fully subsisting in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What ends up happening is, is you have guys like Dr. Strayan, as well-meaning as they are at times, Take the holy text of Scripture, and they're saying, "Look, I'm just being biblical. This is clearly what the text says." And and really, what they're doing is 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 they're trying to go in without uh, any presuppositions, approaching the text as kind of a tabulae rasa. Um, but but inevitably, what's in, what ends up happening is that is that bad presuppositions actually smuggle their way in, and you end up interpreting the text wrongly and getting for example a bad doctrine of god out of the out of the thing. So what what you have to do is you have to begin by saying god is distinct from his creation. Right? This has to be true actually for scripture to be intelligible whatsoever. Um it, it but it has to be true throughout the course of our hermeneutical endeavors. And so when we get to texts like John 3:16, we can't read that text as meaning 
No matter what, no matter our interpretation of it, there's, a, there's, there's all sorts of controversy around this text concerning other things soteriologically. But in terms of the doctrine of God, no matter what, no matter what you get out of John 3, 16 and 17, you can't, you can't, can't, can't collapse something that God does, some uh, f- effect that God brings about back into the Godhead and the divine essence, uh, God ad intra. All right. Um, and, and theologians, process theologians are infamous uh, for doing this, right? They, 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 they take the, the language in scripture, look, it, God isn't, God must be in process because you have God uh, seemingly changing along with his creatures. He's revealed to do so. He, uh, he, he repents whenever he creates something, uh, someone who rebels against him. And we see that in, in Genesis and all of this. And, and so it's just obvious that God moves. So God's in process, right? God must be in process because the Bible speaks that way. And, and the reason they're able to do that is because they're going in to read Scripture um, uh, with a set of bad, uh, bad um, actually, it, we could boil it down to a doctrine of God. They're going in with bad metaphysics, but they're going in with a bad, chiefly, more specifically, bad doctrine of God. And, uh, and, and, they, and they go into Scripture thinking that they're going to develop out of Scripture anew, afresh, as if no one's trod these paths before, a, a brand new doctrine of God from their, from their own exegetical insights and explorations and discoveries. And, um, and so, so, you know, the, the, the same hermeneutical pre-commitments or the lack thereof that you find in, in Dr. Strayan are the same ones being made by the process theists. Same ones. So the, the question now has descended uh, more or less from a, from less, less, it, it's, it's no longer, it's no longer really a doctrine of God debate. Uh, it certainly left the natural theology realm uh, a little bit. Actually, this is still kind of related because it has to do with coming to the text with the doctrine of God, which natural theology gives us. Um, so be, because natural theology is rejected, there is no doctrine of God before coming to the text of scripture. Um, and, and so you come to the text of scripture with, with no presuppositions or bad presuppositions. And in this case, Dr. Strain is coming to the text of scripture with the same presuppositions that the process theists are making. And he, he's just, he's just not going the same direction that they're going. He's not going, or, or, or rather he's going the same direction, but he's not going as far down the path as they go. You know, there, there are all sorts of, of terms in Scripture where uh, body parts are affirmed of God. Nostrils, hands, arms, um, you know, bosom, uh, bosoms, you know, heads, eyes, ears, all sorts of anatomical body parts attributed to God. And if we don't go into the text of Scripture with a, with a doctrine of God, an understanding of who God is, that is, God is one— there can be no other, um, that God doesn't change because he is one, that, that God is simple because he's one, right? He's not many, so he's simple. Um, uh, and, and if we don't go in with these fundamental, with these fundamental, uh, assumptions of who God is, then we're liable to, to not understand the way in which scripture speaks about God. All right. So, um, All that to say, and I'm going to go ahead and close close on this, that uh, we can't 
we have to be careful to make the creator-creature distinction, and we have to be careful not to read the the creatures uh, back into the divine essence. So if something is creaturely, if something is an effect, if something is um, an act or a work, all of those things, all of those things, if they're not God, they're not God, and so should not be retroactively applied back onto God in order for us to determine who God is. Does that make sense? Um, so in other words, God's works do not determine God. They may reveal s something to us about God, uh, namely that he created and what he created, and that, crea that creation will reflect something about who he is, that he is good, that he is kind and providential and all of those kinds of things. But the work itself cannot be uh, taken and then and then and then and then kind of backloaded into the divine essence, such that we 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 end up mistaking mistakenly and, and very importantly, uh, we we mistakenly make God's works and and God Himself one. So when you're reading a text like John three sixteen, make that distinction. Ask yourself: Is the giving, is the sending, a work of God? Because if it is, if it is, it's not God. And so cannot be put into, backloaded into the divine essence in order to determine God, to, to make God what he is. All right? So God's works do not determine who God is. That's, that's a fundamental assumption, assumption we have to make when we go into uh, something like biblical interpretation. Anyway, again, the podcast that, that Dr. Strayan uh, recorded yesterday and, and published is called uh, The Biblical Godhead on the Scourge of Arianism and the Otherworldly Beauty of Authority and Submission. And that is his podcast titled The Antithesis. If you want to learn more about what he believes, if you want to learn more about what he has said uh, about John 3, 16, 17, and other texts, then please go listen to that podcast. But I will not be able to canvas the entire thing. There are laundry lists of texts that he uses. Hopefully the principle that we spoke of today will help you understand how he uses those texts and will help you to discern how uh, indeed in what in what sense he not only uses those texts but in what sense he's in error in terms of trying to use those texts to 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 formulate a doctrine of ESS. God bless you guys have a wonderful rest of your day.